just a test to see if I'm strong enough to bring the table up here. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. So how'd you do on your New Year's resolutions this year? Anybody keep them? Not one. We had one last time. Uh, so the end of the year, the beginning of the year, is usually a good time to reflect on what's happened and what's going to happen in the upcoming year. And it caused me to start thinking about the upcoming year. Would Jesus be enough? Will Jesus be enough in this coming year? Will Jesus be enough if you didn't keep your New Year's resolution? If people make fun of you, if you lose your reputation? I think we have a list of some of those things. Uh, if you don't get a new girlfriend or a boyfriend, if you're married, this is not a good one to have. Um, if you get bad grades, if your spouse no longer loves you, if you don't lose weight, if you don't get married, if you lose your job, if you don't get better, if you fail, will Jesus be enough for you if your prayers aren't answered the way you want them to be, if you sin? Hopefully this list, uh, maybe you find yourself somewhere in, the, in that list. Uh, the human condition is, is that when we fail, we usually want to run away from God. We want to keep doing things our way. We want to do things by ourselves. Sometimes we feel like God doesn't love us, or sometimes we become so angry. In fact, I talked to a young man that, that he became angry. He wanted to curse God. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the Apostle Peter. And the reason we're going to talk about Peter is because he failed. He failed quite a bit. Uh, he failed when... Uh, Jesus said he had to be crucified, and Peter said, oh, no, no, you can't be crucified. Jesus called him Satan. Uh, Jesus asked Peter to stay awake with him while he prayed at Gethsemane. Peter kept falling asleep. Peter failed Jesus three times by denying him after the Roman soldiers took Jesus away. So the Apostle Peter knew a lot about failure. Um, today we're going to learn uh, why, why we fail, why we have trials, and why good things can happen even when everything around us is going bad. I hope she finds somebody. <laughs> oh, she did, I think. Uh, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, we're going to be uh, discussing 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Or you can read up here on the screen along with me. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I'm going to read the first verse again. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So the first thing that we learn from Peter is, is that we should rejoice in suffering, which sounds absolutely crazy. I'm not sure how many of you have ever rejoiced when you are going through a difficult trial? Can you think of how you reacted when you experienced a death, a divorce, a personal failure? failure? Do you recall rejoicing at that time? You did, okay, good. Someone reads their Bible, I appreciate that. Well, uh, so let me tell you a little bit about the year 2013 for me. Um, we have a house that we've been trying to sell and uh, the two furnaces in it broke. The water heater broke, the water heater, the water, heater, the water softener broke. Uh, earlier this year, my truck engine blew up. Our cars were in the shop so often that for the second year in a row, the car mechanic sent us a Christmas ham to thank us for all our business. Um, 
you know, it's, it's called Murphy's Law for a reason. I mean, if things can go wrong, they probably will. And Murphys are not known for rejoicing during their failure. Um, but I've learned that from others that, that you can rejoice. You can have a, a better hope when you're going through trials. And so I'm going to share with you a story about a guy named Leo. driven computer whiz who starts companies in college. He came to New York hoping to meet someone in tech that would buy his ideas and change his life. He just didn't know it would be the homeless guy on the walk to work. He just has something about him. I remember thinking in my head like, huh, who is this guy? And What do you uh, mean he had something about him? He, he had found boat chains, these old like boat chain pieces and he was benching this as like a workout. And it was half tragic, like half very sad, and half like this guy is not, not done. He was so fired up by this stranger's drive, he rushed back to his desk and blogged out a plan he called finding the unjustly homeless and teaching them to code. He would approach the man the next day and offer either $100, no strings attached, or a cheap laptop three textbooks on JavaScript, and an hour a day teaching him how to write computer programs. When that blog hit the web, critics pounced, calling him clueless and morally suspect, his idea degrading and horrible. People compared you to the villains in trading places. Right. Hey, man, don't I know you two guys? Step inside. Nice and warm in here. Whiskey. Will Patrick's so-called journeyman hacker get a job at Google? No, sneered New York Magazine. Will there be a laptop for sale on 58th Street tomorrow? Probably. So then you got to go make this proposition. Yeah. To the chain-lifting homeless guy. Right. What was that like? He was very charming. The moment I walked up, like, hey. And I'm like, hi. Uh, I'm Patrick. He's like, I'm, I'm Leo. This is Leo. As a kid, he was obsessed with science, astronomy, chemistry, physics. But then he fell in with the wrong crowd, became a father too soon, and two years ago, first lost his job and then his home. This guy Patrick walks up yeah. and says, uh, can I talk to you? Yeah. What goes through your head? <laughs> Whoa. What did you think he wanted? I didn't do anything. <laughs> You got the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, he just said, hey, I'm, this may sound strange. I'm going to approach you with an offer. And instantly, I just said, in my mind, door number two. <laughs> and then the stranger actually showed up with an actual laptop. And those lessons turned into an obsession. He would write code for hours, for days, on the banks of the Hudson or in a corner nook in Patrick's office. At night, Patrick would go home and Leo would go back outside. Shelters just aren't his thing, which all seemed fine until winter blew in. How do you stay warm on those really bitter nights? You would go to the train station. Yeah. Well, I have to bundle up with like tons of blankets. It's getting really cold, and I keep telling him this, and he, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm good, man, let's, let's keep going. See, Patrick just wanted to get him employed and housed ASAP, but Leo had other priorities. What is it you wanted to do with this information he was teaching you. Make the world a better place. See, he is a passionate environmentalist. His heroes are scientists who brave the rugged outdoors. This is what life is supposed to be like, you know? 
Coming outside? Yeah. I want to be around plants and trees, and I want to breathe as much oxygen as possible. Since he's really worried about a changing climate, he decided to use his new skills to create a carbon-cutting, ride-sharing app called Trees for Cars. And it shows you exactly where you're at and where you want to go. These would be riders in the same area ah. who want to ride with you. Okay. All tech startups had snags, but Trees for Cars stalled when Leo was arrested for sleeping on a bench, and the police took his new computer as evidence. But no hard feelings. No hard feelings. I know it sounds strange. I got a lot of respect for authorities. That is when another guardian angel entered his life. Her name is Logan, and she'd been following the journeyman saga on Facebook. When she heard about the arrest, she took time off from her job at Google, flew cross-country, and gave him a computer of her own. She thinks this friendship could inspire a new kind of mentorship for countless other Leos. Because let's face it, if Patrick was teaching Leo English, few would care. But coding is the language of a new American dream. At the end of the day, if you didn't go to college, but you write elegant and efficient code, then that's what an engineer is. Remember that cartoon? It's like on the internet, no one knows, no one knows your dog. dog. Yeah. yeah. If you make money off of this app, right? Are you going to go get an apartment? What are you going to do? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Trump Plaza Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> but even if he never makes it to the plaza, he still has friends like these city workers looking out for him. That's why I tell guys, don't judge no one. You never know what a person went through. Stop judging. You don't know this guy. You don't know. He's a genius. Yep. And then there is his infectious inner peace. All the money in Silicon Valley just can't buy. How do you manage to keep such a positive attitude? Faith, prayer, it works. Try it. <laughs> Bill Weir, CNN, New York. Don't you love Leo? He's awesome. I mean, I love the, the fact that the police took away his laptop and he immediately forgave them. How he learned not to judge other people and how he learned that, that there are things more important than having a place to stay in. And then, you know, that final line that he says, you know, what keeps you so happy? He says, faith prayer, try it, it works. There's a lot you can learn uh, from Leo. He is actually someone who seems to rejoice in suffering, which is what Peter talked about. Let's look at that verse again. So Peter also not only tells us that we should rejoice in suffering, but he says that this, that, and, and can we move on to the, second, the next verse too as well? He says that this, uh, this will prove the genuineness of our faith, and that's the, the second point I want to bring, is that suffering refines and produces a priceless faith. But how can faith be worth more than gold? The person who dies with the most toys wins, right? Not really. All our toys, all our gold, none of that is going to go with us. The only thing that's going to go with us is our faith. And the only faith that matters is if it's a genuine faith. And sometimes we have tests, we have trials, we have bad experiences to find out what, whether or not we truly do have faith. I've struggled... Um, with a story that I wanted to share with you, but um, I'm hoping there's something you can learn from it. Um, for the past year, my job has been to be the spokesperson for the Attorney General's office. And if you've read the news, it's been a bit tough year for the Attorney General's office. Um, every day there were new allegations, there were innuendos, there were revelations, there were hidden tapes, there were visits at Krispy Kreme donut shops. There were a lot of things going on where people were wondering what in the world is going on at the Attorney General's office. It was my job to answer all those questions. Um, 
so I did what I was trained to do. Um, they say in public relations that if you have bad news, you, there are three things you need to do. Tell it first, tell it yourself, and tell it all. Well, that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> so I, I went and met with the reporters, and I said, There's, there, there are two things I want. I went from three down to two. I said that I want truth and accountability for the attorney general, for the reporters, and for myself. And so that didn't work either. Um, you know, the, the headlines kept coming, the new revelations kept coming, new people kept coming forward with new things to say. And I was doing everything that I was trained to do, but I felt absolutely powerless. I felt like I couldn't do anything right. I felt like I was just completely inept at getting anything done. And so uh, I, I went to the scriptures again, and, and here's a, a verse that I found in, in uh, James, uh, so James, the brother of Jesus. He said in James 1, uh, verses 2 through 4, he says, Consider it jo pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy. It's like rejoicing. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Well, I did not consider it pure joy. I did feel like I was lacking a lot of peace. I just, I felt so powerless and so weak. And so uh, my wife uh, convinced me that I needed prayer and prayer from people who really know how to pray. So I went to Danielle Pimentel here at K2 and she's on the spiritual advisory board and a prayer warrior. People from all over the world really come to Danielle for prayer. And I remember when I was preparing to meet with her and, and to, to see what God would reveal through prayer to me, that I kept thinking that, man, I must have done something really bad. I must be so dark and so sinful that God is punishing me and wanting to test me and refine me in some way. Uh, and, and so, remember, I'm the guy that asked reporters for truth and accountability for myself. I thought, this is God trying to get my attention by showing that I was sinful. And when I finally met with Danielle, her prayer brought me to tears because her prayer was so opposite of what I expected to happen. She said, God delights in me, and he's going to use you in ways you never imagined. And that just brought me to tears because I thought, wow, I'm expecting her to just rip out my heart and say, look what you look like, that God was going to judge me. And instead, God said, God delights in me, and he's going to use you in ways that you never imagined. And that's true for everyone here. God delights in you, and he is going to use you in ways that you never, ever imagined. Well, prayer helped. It helped. And for a few days, I felt good about myself. And then it just kept going on. I mean, weeks became months. Months became, became many months. And every, every sentence I spoke was scrutinized. Every uh, explanation I gave was given a bad motive. And I went from feeling powerless to fear, feeling like I was the biggest sinner in the world, to finally just feeling absolute fear. I had absolute fear, and it, it, it was painful for me to wake up each morning and go to work. Um, most nights it was difficult for me to sleep, this pressure, this constant pressure that was going on and on and on me. But one night I did sleep, but I awoke because I heard a voice say, Paul. I mean, it was distinct, it was loud, Paul. 
so I thought, oh, God, what, what do you have to tell me? And I remember praying and praying and praying. But that's all I heard, Paul. A couple of nights later, I went to sleep, and I started having a dream. And in this dream, I was standing on a building and on the ledge, and there was about 50 or 60 feet below me, and for some reason, I lost my balance, and I fell. And the people at K2 were so good that they found a picture of it for you to show up on the screen. There I am. <laughs> Fortunately, I was able to grab onto this wood post with one hand, and in my dream, there was a little tiny girl that grabbed me by the other hand, and she was trying to, trying to pull me up, but I felt like if I pulled up this way, I would pull her down and bring her to her death. And so I just was standing there helpless until suddenly I fell. And then I woke up, because of course you gotta wake up or you die, right? <laughs> um, now sometimes dreams are just dreams. You know, they're the, kind of that weird mix of everything. A train comes in, Gilligan's Island's over here, and something else is going on over there. But occasionally, I have a dream that means something, that has a deep impact on my life. And this was one of those dreams. That image that you saw, that was what my life was like. I felt like I was falling. I was, I was on my way to my doom. And I didn't know what to do. I was afraid, I was scared, and I didn't know what to do. So I, I took what I remembered from my dream to Danielle Pimentel and to Pastor Dave Nelson and said, what is God, what is going on here? What is God trying to tell me? And they both sent me basically the same thing. And I have a list that shows basically what, what they determined God was trying to tell me through this dream. First of all, God is calling me by my name. He knows about my precarious position. He wants me to hold on to the cross. That wood beam that was saving me was the cross. And he wants me to keep a childlike faith. That young girl represented childlike faith. And instead of falling, he wants me to take a leap of faith. That is not what I had in mind in my dream. But they said, no matter what happens, God is with you, and so are others. And that's true, I think, of all of you. All of these things could be true of you. God does know you by your name. He knows the hairs on your head, those of you who have hair. He... He understands if you're going through a trial, the precarious position you might be in. He knows what's going on in your life. So um, I, want to, I want you to know that if you're going through a trial, there are other people out there to help you. There were people here at K2. I'm going to invite two men up who inspired me during this past year because they, they went through trials, and they actually handled it much better than I did. I'd like you to give a big hand for Will and Jeff. <laughs> Yes. So uh, this is Jeff Hunter off to my right here. And I met Jeff the first day I came to K2. And I was uh, standing in line uh, to get some coffee in the Red Building. And Jeff was standing up in front of me. And he was talking to another guy. And he said, I just got out of prison. I thought, you know, I've been going to church for many, many years. And I've never heard someone say, I just got out of prison. And so I knew this was a man that I wanted to meet. I knew he had some life lessons that I wanted to learn. And he and I went out to lunch, and we've been friends ever since. And uh, Jeff has been through a lot in his life, and maybe Jeff can just share a little bit of what you've been through. I am. Um, <clears throat> drugs and alcohol have been a part of my life for close to 40, 45 years. Uh, you know, just, just a real quick introduction. 
alcohol in the past. My father thought it was a, a remedy for all uh, to give me a hot toddy, you know, and so the hot toddies came later on. Nobody had any idea that that would have an effect on me. You know, it was just an old, old time recipe. Uh, Alcohol and drugs have put me in prison in the last 14 years. I've been locked up four years out of that. The last time Gunnison, I graduated a program. And uh, oh, this time, this time last year, I was at the shelter. I uh, that's where I ended up after I'd walked, after I'd opened my wallet on a Saturday morning after a two-week blackout that I was just on a roll, and I had three DUIs, and I've already been to prison for DUIs, so uh, my lawyer told me that the minimum that I would do was five years when I got out to the state board, they would probably give me more. <clears throat> uh, I, I walked through the, the shelter, it's, it's, it's not a good place to try to quit you know, drinking and, and doing drugs, 30 days and I was in Odyssey, and as I walked this, I walked this path, I, I believe, I truly believe that, that God was watching me because uh, two of the DUIs, one disappeared and the other two were dropped to class Bs. Uh, it happened really fast. My lawyer said, I don't know what you believe in, but in 30 years I've never had this happen. Uh, he said, I want to know more about your God. Today I know that fear is the lack of faith. You, I don't want to have both at the same time. I, I, I truly believe that you can't hate someone or, or have, you know, thinking of, uh, of others, you know, hold a, hold a grudge in your life forever and ever like it's been in our family. That when you do that, you're saying, God, I believe in you, but let me just put these people over to the side so I can hate them every once in a while. That's not the way it works. Uh, I truly believe that fear is the lack of faith. You either have one or the other. I choose today not to have one minute in life of discontent, hatred, or envy for anyone because that's a waste of 60 seconds of pure happiness. I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm very honored, uh, Paul and his wife, and my mom, uh, Marjorie. Uh, I'm glad I have these people in my life. And uh, Go big or go home. We're going to get that fun dome, and we're going to do a lot better. Thank you. <laughs> All right. The thing I love about Jeff is, is that uh, whenever I've met him and things have gone wrong, I mean, he is always upbeat. He's always thanking God and praising how good God has been to him. You told he's he's had a tough life, um, and Will Lloyd here is a new friend of mine and a, a, a really good friend. I met him uh, not too long ago, uh, driving the bus that. K2 has it goes out to the rescue mission, then to Pioneer Park and to the shelter. And I drove the bus, but uh, Will here, he owns the bus. This guy took care of the situation whenever there was a problem or any issue. Will was the man that I could rely on for help. And Will, you uh, had a, a difficult life as well. And, and can you tell a little bit about your story and, and how you were able to uh, deal with some of the trials you went through? Hi, I'm uh, Will Lloyd from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, what a journey it's been, but it's been a good one. Um, I found my way to Salt Lake City through a broken heart and through my divorce from my wife and through the addiction to crack cocaine. And 
on my journey here, when I got here, it was um, it was really tough because because I was I just didn't understand Christ. Like I, I always believed in God, but I, I never knew who He was because where I grew up, nobody ever talked about God or church or the Bible. Now that I think of it, I can't even remember being in a friend's house and ever even seeing a Bible in anybody's house. And um, so all this was going on, and, and, and it was one of them things where I decided to challenge Christ and, and just tell him, I'm ready to die, you know? And I did the best I could to kill myself out here. Um, extreme amounts of cocaine to shut myself down. Um, I would go five, six days without eating, um, four, three, four days with no water. Um, in nine months, I lost 72 pounds. Um, I ended up homeless down on Rio Grande next to the gateway for nine months. And uh, my pride wouldn't allow me to spend a night in the shelter. So I spent many cold nights out on that street and many ambulance rides up to uni, and I think I've been to every one of you guys' hospitals out here. Um, and it was hard, it was truly hard. There's power in prayer, I've always heard that. Pray, like, I've never been to church before, so I didn't know what to pray about. Like, when somebody says pray, and you don't know a prayer, it could get very complicated. So, it was one hot, sunny day, and I was laying on the concrete on the sidewalk, literally, like I was in bed. And um, weak, I couldn't turn over, and I finally said a prayer, um, to my understanding, and I kind of challenged Christ, because uh, my prayer was, if you won't let me die, then I challenge you to help me live. And um, I never said anything with a more whole heart than I said at that time. And uh, it was like one of them things, be careful what you ask for. Because Christ is one of those in-the-moment people, I've learned, <laughs> of a whole heart. And um, I felt like my heart was, you hear that, that phrase, you know, a broken heart, a broken heart. And um, I felt like my heart was cut in half. And that is, I hope none of you go through that. But I was praying for it to be healed. And at that moment, when I said that prayer to him, it was like, and, and, I, and I remember watching shows real quick on TV, and you hear people telling these miraculous stories, how they stand up and Christ made them do all these things. And I'm like, that sounds so good. But at that moment, I felt like a pair of hands go inside of my chest. <laughs> and um, that pain was gone. It was like it was healed. But I still thought I was high. So I wasn't sure. And then I start hearing, get up, you know, ignored it. And I heard, get up. And I stood up. And I don't know where I got the strength from. Honestly, I truly don't. But he allowed me to walk past all the drug dealers and all the drugs. And I kept walking like I was rejuvenated. But then when I got to the Fort Street Clinic, <laughs> my legs stopped working. And I looked to the left, and the rescue mission to Salt Lake was over there. And I'm like, I am not going there. And I stood there for a minute, but I didn't know if I was going to get sober again, but I did know I had to do one thing. I had to get to know the person that saved my life. 
I at least owed him that much. So I went over to the rescue mission and I opened the Bible for the first time in my life. And I was so happy. I was so happy. Not because it saved my life. I, first, I was happy because seven months ago, if you'd asked me who was in the Bible, I would have told you Adam, Eve, and Jesus. I knew nothing about nobody else. So I checked out, and that was the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm so grateful to God for every experience that I've had out there for those nine months. Because when I said that prayer to him wholeheartedly and checked out, that was the day that Christ checked into my life and gave me the strength to be here. All right. So. Give Will and Jeff a hand. That was good. So, uh, running out of time here, but um, the, the final part of the, the passage that we learn is that through suffering, eventually Jesus will be glorified. Do you think Jesus was glorified through the experience that Will and Jeff had just had? I mean, God has been so gracious and so good, but if you look at what they went through, you probably wouldn't think it at the time, but now, I mean, God, God is being glorified, he's being honored, and Jeff and Will are bringing other people to Christ, and I'm thankful for their friendship. So just a uh, final thing I'd just like to share with you is you, you think about your upcoming year, and you think about whether you get that job, whether you get the girlfriend you want, whether your marriage is going well, whether things go well for you, will Jesus be enough? The one thing I want you to know for sure is that Jesus will be enough. So thanks for your time.